Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN, sponsored by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my right is Phil Davidson with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Good, good morning, morning, Phil. Good morning, good morning. And to my left is Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers. Howdy. How's it going? It's great. Everybody had a good Thanksgiving? Fantastic. Awesome time, man. Eat a lot? Too much, some would say. You? Not me. No? No, no. Never I enough. Took it, I took it real easy. You know what? I didn't... Uh, I ate chicken. Why'd you eat chicken? I didn't feel like making like a giant turkey. It was like three of us. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, it just seems like a hassle. Chicken. Chicken. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's a bird. Yeah, but I mean, not all birds are created equal. <laughs> it's Wait, it's part of you, a turducken, you, though, you, so that kind of counts. Are you like a quoting George Orwell in Animal Farm right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're going to make uh, a bird, you might as well just make a turkey. Uh, or know. just get something else to eat. Go get a Big Mac. You know what? You see wild turkeys. You ever see wild chicken? Just like you never see a wild cow. I've never seen a I wild chicken. I see them in chicken. backyards now. And people... Oh, that's good. Chicago's got chickens. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's a yeah. thing. It's that's, a thing. It is, it is a, a thing. thing. Eggs Farm are so eggs. expensive yeah. that people are just keeping chickens. What do they do in the winter? Die. That's when they're eating <laughs> yeah. a lot of chicken, those people. Yeah. That's good... You need a strong security system. So yeah. what's, uh, let's let's talk a couple of quick things on, on the agenda. We have... Um, uh, Bob Funk coming on today. Mm-hmm. Awesome name, by the way. He is in charge of uh, a watchdog group called Labor Lab, um, who basically bust union busters. Right. It's, it's just awesome. It's just such a cool thing. So uh, we're we're stoked for that. Uh, uh, you know, they're I've based in Montana, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where there are right. definitely wild chickens. <laughs> I'm sure there are wild chickens. There's wild everything in Montana. Yeah, until they get shot, because aren't they like big hunters out there and whatever? All I know about Montana is from Yellowstone, so my perception of Montana is that people are just getting thrown off cliffs. Uh, I gotta be, I gotta it's be, a lot of land, not a lot of people. Right. Is that right? Yes. And the cops always look the other way. I have to be blunt with you. Yeah. I don't think I could pick Montana on a map if you just show me a blank map. It's, the big it's hard to it's miss. The it's big pretty one big. Up on top. The, yeah. Texas is a big one, too. That's down the bottom. I right, think whatever. Montana might be bigger. Texas. Oh, get out of here. I would like to see them argue about it. <laughs> Let them fight it Montana out. Montana v. Texas. <laughs> so, Phil, you uh, you have something interesting that the Carpenters just recently did. Tell us. Yeah. Well, we're real excited. This is a, a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. Um, it was actually just reported this week in uh, Politico's Labor Shift, if you read that uh-huh. weekly uh, email. But um, the Century Foundation, which is a nonprofit think tank um, that we help support, came out with a study that showed that across the country there are up to two million workers who are misclassified as independent contractors that means these are workers in the construction industry um that get paid either in cash or again are misclassified as independent contractors so they're uh you know they're contracted employees independent contractors who don't receive the benefits and um protections two million in construction Correct. Okay. Not not nationwide. Construction. Okay. Yeah. And so, what does that mean then? Like, will somebody go and enforce uh, this misclassification? Well, that's one of the hopes. Um, as we sometimes talk about this show, there's a lot of regulations that uh, you know businesses skirt and contractors skirt, and there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of punishment for them. But yep. um, apparently, right now, there are discussions with the Department of Labor to mm-hmm. to strengthen some of the punishments and, and get it going. But um, th- those two million workers that are uh, misclassified are being 
cost are, are losing out on like twelve billion dollars uh, yeah. in in benefits and pay that by they're being entitled to that they're entitled to by being paid you know in cash uh, and being paid under the table and not being classified as actual employees, which they you know by by letter of the law they are, but mm-hmm. they're companies to save a buck so they don't have to pay towards Social Security, so they don't have to pay towards uh, right. workers' compensation, um, which then of course has the effect of. Uh, Having a, a downward effect on Social Security, yeah. uh, uh, local coffers. Oh, you're talking about well, billions of dollars that are that, that they're using that, more services, but the tax revenue is is suffering. So this this is something. This is a fraud that just puts money in uh, company owners' pockets. Sure, and. You know where does that money come from? It comes out of taxpayers. Right. Pockets. It affects. It, it literally affects every single person on in this country yeah, um, right. because you're you're losing out on money that would go to schools towards mm-hmm. public safety, right. towards healthcare, and it's and, and it's one of those issues again. Like you know, we hear all the time about companies having tax shelters in Bermuda and not paying their fair share, but right, like yeah. it seems like. When contractors don't want to pay anybody, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay, that's just part of doing business. And so, um, yeah, this is an issue that the, the, the Carpenters Union is very aggressive towards. And, um, you know, there's been obviously a big push to get this information in front of the policymakers. And, uh, again, hopefully we're going to strengthen some of these rules at the federal level. Good for you. Here in, here in Illinois, we yeah. did pass a, uh, a contract responsibility law yep. that um, holds them accountable when a uh, the, the general contractor, when a subcontractor isn't paying. So, um, yeah, very exciting news um, in uh, more. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to need to take a break, and then we're going to come right back uh, and talk with Bob Funk um, from Labor Lab, uh, this watchdog group. Uh, you, you're going to find this fascinating um, right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Phil. There is Ed. and <laughs> There is Ed. Yeah, there, there is, is Ed. Ed. That's me. There he is. There he is. He's right over, over there. Um, you know, we actually come to the studio to do this, by the way. You know, I, I hear these podcasts, and I think even Howard Stern, like, they're doing it, like, remotely. Yeah, yeah like, Robin was home for a long time. Right? Like, we it, come yeah. in. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's important. You got to show up to work. This is our job site. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, there's people here that we deal with, and, you know, we got to give them the most professional show we can, we can possibly I'm going to start wearing a hard hat. I think sure. you should do that, <laughs> at least especially when you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, uh, as we talked about at the top of the hour, um, and then we should actually get to him instead of running our mouth for a little bit. We have Bob Funk on the air with us. Bob, welcome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. It's Absolutely. An honor. Yeah, no, we're, we're stoked to have you. Um, Bob runs a, what I guess would, would you would call it a watchdog group, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are a watchdog organization um, specializing on Department of Labor and uh, corporate expenditures on union busting. You know what's disgusting? Union busting. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, Bob, right. it's called... It's That's called, a good slogan right there. You never heard that? <laughs> it sounds good if we were chanting it on the street. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, it's, it's called Labor Lab, right? That's right. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Um, I am from the great state of Montana with its uh, long, proud labor history, and um, that's that's where I've been um, for a good chunk of my life and returned um, a few years back um, to fight the good fight. And now this is where uh, Labor Lab's main headquarter is, although we have a couple of people in other states as well. And what is your background? So my background is basically I worked in politics, but the reason I was in politics was because of the labor movement. Um, I worked on campaigns for a number of years, and then one worked on the Hill for a little bit, 
uh, after 2010, seeing what had happened in Wisconsin, I had to get back, um, right. get my yeah. boots back on the ground and get involved. And, um, and then after working on a few more campaigns, I went into, uh, labor movement full-time um, and worked for the Montana AFL-CIO and then uh, worked for the Montana Federation of Public Employees. Uh, I went over there after J- the Janus decisions because um, I wanted to help protect uh, that good uh, public sector union. And uh, then we then we had a couple of big fights in the state legislature and beat all of those back and then started Labor Lab. And Montana is not a right-to-work state. It is not, and we are very proud of that, despite having, um, you know, we have a long uh, labor history here. There's an incredible book that I recommend reading called The Gibraltar of Labor, and it's all about Butte, Montana, or as they refer to it, Butte, America. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the the history there, um, you know, from wobblies to the strikes to union halls being bombed, I mean, it is a deep, deep um, part of our culture here, uh, more so than the states surrounding us. So, you know, generally our politics here is pretty purple. Um, Things did swing in a rightward direction in 2020. It was the first time we elected a Republican governor um, in 16 years, and um, the Republican majorities in the House and Senate both expanded so much so that they're supermajorities. Despite all of that, um, labor is a red line in this state, and uh, right to work has Every time they've brought it forward, not only that, but um, other every other anti-union uh, piece of legislation, things that would make it harder um, uh, for members to join unions, uh, make it harder to administer unions. You know, you know all the typical yeah. union busting stuff, mm-hmm. paycheck deception, all of sure. that. Every single one of those has failed. That's There's awesome. been a lot of horrible stuff that happens in the legislature, but that is a red line here. And you know, thank right God, on Montana. My brothers and sisters. Yeah, right. I, you know, yeah. I didn't know that. And, and are all the surrounding states right to work? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. They're, they're a shiny sea. Yeah, exactly. If you look at the quality of life and everything like that, um, so many metrics in Montana, and then you compare it to our neighbors, it's generally better in Montana. And I think that's the the fact that we are still a right to work state, and there's still some union density. You're still not a right to work state. No, we're sorry. Did I yeah. say that we're right to yes. work? state? definitely not a right to work. Free bargaining. State, so let's yeah, let's get to let's, let's get to your your mission and your venture because I think it's absolutely fascinating, um, and I have been following it since it launched. And we so, talked about it a few times yeah, on the show. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show, um, and now we get to talk to the to the guy that basically started it, right, Bob? I mean, this is your deal, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, kind of the genesis of Labor Lab was during one of those right-to-work fights, you know, when we beat back all the bills. And, you know, our big message is the value of freedom and liberty, and it is your right to join together with your uh, fellow workers and have a voice in the workplace and uh, fight for a better life for you and your family. And leaning into those messages and those values is how we, you know, beat right to work. Um, But after that, you know, we were sitting around and thinking, hell, you know, we took down legislators that want to go after this right, but there are hundreds and thousands of companies of every single size that are going after these uh, workers' rights, and we need to call them out and... um, Push back on their attacks on our. And what would you um, what would you what would you call those companies? 
uh, union busting thugs. Okay, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah, about right. Yeah, yeah. We're, that we're, you can get away with yeah. on the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're union busters, right? And union busting yeah. oh. is an, an entire cottage industry, and it's what multi-billion-dollar industry, is it not? Yeah, that's right. We uh, did a. We actually recently did the uh, math for EPI's report um, that was published, the Economic Policy Institute's yep. report that came out um, earlier this year. That at that we know of, we're looking at four hundred million dollars at least. But, these consultants uh, are being paid. A lot of, yeah. Wow. Yes. That's, and that's the ones paid. that that's report. Good. Well, exactly. So yeah. let's, let's, uh, we, let's, we got to back up again. All right. You ready? A union buster yeah. is somebody that a company hires to come in when they realize that a union is trying to organize their worker. Right. Yeah. And, and the company Correct. pays that uh, either law firm or, you know, company or single person um, pays that union buster a certain amount of money to come in and try and dissuade their workers from joining the union. Right? Am I getting that right, Bob? You've got it absolutely right. They call it persuading. Persuading. <laughs> and thus the persuader rule of the Department of Labor. And that is, Bob, explain what the persuader rule is. Well, the persuader rule was put into place as a great rule that was written um, under the Obama administration. Um, but it was put out in 2016. Um, obviously, that election went in a different direction than that administration was planning. Um, and the persuader rule was uh, rescinded um, by the Trump administration. We're pushing for the Biden administration to uh, reinstate the rule. But what's so important about it? Um, the persuader rule is absolutely critical for us to understand how corporate America. And what is the is rule? Going. Explain the rule. Yes. Absolutely. So the rule is that right now um, the Department of Labor views persuasion activity, union busting, reportable union busting, as when a persuader, anti-union, union buster comes in and meets face-to-face with workers. Oh. Well, we know that that is just a fraction of the union busting that right. happens. If you look at what's happening at Starbucks or Amazon, you know, Amazon hires these massive political firms to do their polling and their message testing. You've got Little or Mendelssohn, one of the largest, most evil law firms in the United States, literally writing the speeches for uh, Howard Schultz. You've got them writing the text messages that go out to the workers. Um, you've got them again, you know. So, so no, like so no right? So no, but no longer face to face, and and that's the the, no, key, the key difference. So that, is that the, the persuader rule. Was it was going to take away the face to face requirement and broaden it, and and that has passed. But let's now move backwards one more time, and under the Department of Labor um, rules and regulations, if a company hires a union buster, a, you know, a persuader, if you will, uh, whatever you want to call it, but uh, we call them union busters. If they hire a union buster, union yeah, of course they are. They have to report it, right, and they have to file. Um, a filing with the Department of Labor to say that they hired this union buster. And they also have to say how much they paid them, correct? Am I getting that right, Bob? You, you've you got it spot on. Um, now, we're, have they been doing that? No. Why? And that's why we started Labor Big Lab. Big surprise. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. Why, why? Why? Because, so, Bob, what's the penalty for not doing it? <laughs> the, there are criminal and civil penalties, but the uh, Secretary of Labor has never... Um, never um, Enforce them. After yeah. enforce them. You have right? to say you're sorry. So basically, yeah, basically, <laughs> it's the same thing as then. All right, right. You you get a call from the Department of Labor saying you need to stop being a naughty boy and start <laughs> um, giving us the paperwork when you get hired to go bust unions. 
um, you better you better start complying with this, okay, or else you're going to get another call from us. So, so it's it, first of all, it's just it's this is mind boggling. This is mind boggling exactly what you just said because the NLRA, same thing, right? You you break the law, and what do you have to do? You put a little notice on the back of the uh, bathroom door and says like, I won't do that again, right? right? Exactly. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, we we had David Madlin on. He he wrote that uh, that great book, and he said that the fact that there are no penalties and and the way the law is, is written right now is, is criminal yeah. uh, and it really there's no teeth to it so why would you comply starbucks is not bargaining with their uh 300 plus unionized stores they're just not bargaining and no. what's what's happening to them and, and they're being they're being flagrant about it they're saying like no we're not going to give raises to anyone who's from a unionized shop That's and right. they're like what are you going to do yeah <laughs> well, yeah sue me yeah and then they get sued by the national labor relations board and they right. go oh yeah you're right sorry yeah. you have to yeah. put this mm-hmm. on your bulletin board mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna put this on your bulletin board <laughs> so so back to i the, mean the, i can't think of a lot of other pieces of legislation uh that exist in the world that don't have penalties except for when it comes to labor law oh yeah for yeah. sure and of course I, I the, the cards volumes is... about the priorities absolutely well i'll say this i saw something this uh, past uh, or no it was last week um the federalist society where a lot of the conservative justices oh, yeah. of all the federal courts and the supreme court come from they put together a document that was asking the question is the National Labor Relations Board unconstitutional? So I see that, and it's like, okay, like we're just planting the seed in all these conservative justices' minds that, you know, in 10 years when all these folks are on the bench somewhere, we're going to start seeing challenges to the National Labor Relations Board. I mean, trying to just wipe out what little protection American workers still have. It's outrageous. Just remember, the First Amendment has become a weapon. Yeah. And there are some of us that think maybe we should go back to you know the wild west well i think the, of the fights you know uh, with the pinkertons and whatnot maybe it should be pure self-help in many We're, cases it was employers who wanted labor regulations yeah it, so the labor peace yes yeah didn't didn't you call the federalists the entire reason between the hell right yeah. didn't yeah that's exactly right it said it says so in the beginning of the of the national labor relations act if i'm not mistaken yeah. like uh so the <laughs> we're getting off topic bob but we're going to stick around for another no, segment I mean, it, it's but, absolutely interesting but ed you called the federalist society the supreme court farm team yeah <laughs> i think that was pretty funny yeah, yeah i mean it's it's yeah. true though because a lot of um you know the they recommend they make recommendations for yeah. who the next supreme court justice should be there they've got an incredible amount of influence over the judicial branch uh, and the executive branch that uh that yeah, and if you want to see the way the supreme court's going to rule just read any of the federal society articles yeah they all they all come from there <laughs> yeah i know it's like college prep I mean, high school for the supreme court true <laughs> so Absolutely, bob, it bob. comes from there but it, it'll be to their own detriment if they do this uh, of course because, it will uh, so i'm gonna uh, look, said. We, we gotta we gotta take a quick break but uh we stick around for another segment because we really i really want to drill down on, on what you're doing and why it's so important and how people can get involved and help so uh stick around bob absolutely thank you all right we'll be right back uh with more of the workers mic right here on 720 wgn you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by megan financial premise health and voya financial Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. There is Ed. There he is. There's Phil. Here I am. And uh, on the phone, um, calling us from the great state of Montana is Bob Funk, which, by the way, is a cool name. I forgot to say that. Thank Bringing you. back the funk. Thank yeah, you know. such a, I mean, you right. must get... Bob, what's your middle name? Uh, um, it's just as hip as funk. It's Gerald. 
Bob Gerald Funk. <laughs> okay, that, that, that doesn't but, know. Sorry. Let's do the initial. You could have got a... Bob G. Funk. Bob G. Funk. G. Funk, yeah. G. Funk era. Gerald with a G? Yeah. Okay. Do you know many J. Geralds? Gerald? <laughs> I don't know. What do I know? All right. So, Bob, let's now, I want to talk more Labor Lab because we got off to, uh, on a couple yep. of tangents. Labor Lab goal, like you said, is, is several fold. Um, you expose union busters. So, give us like top five companies in, in, the, in the country that uh, hire union busters and spend a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, part of the, and that speaks to why we started this organization in the first place. We all know that Starbucks is spending millions on union busting. We all know that Amazon is doing that. These get lots of attention, as they should, because it's egregious what's happening to yes. workers at those companies. But there are hundreds and thousands of other corporations that do this exact same thing in your backyard that never get called out mm, by right. anyone for doing it. And so, personally, we're more excited when we get... Uh, you know, sourced by the Southern Standard in Middle Tennessee than we are uh, by the Boston Globe, because that means we are moving the needle in rural communities, uh, small communities where the chief employer is attacking your neighbors and your family members. Tell us but about the, the your, tell about the nurses one that you just did. Yeah, so this is a great example. Um, we uh, w- one of the unions that we're very proud to have the support of is AFT, and they, as you know, are doing a lot of organizing with nursing. Mm-hmm. And um, we got a call from uh, one of their locals saying, "Hey, uh, the hospital started holding captive audience meetings because we're trying to organize about a hundred mm-hmm. nurses." And uh, the guy's name is Niles. We don't know anything about him. Do you guys have anything on him? Because that's really what we want to be, is for the hub of the workers and the labor movement, the people that understand how these people operate and who they are. Well, we started doing some digging, and we're like, this guy's a ghost. So we did some more digging. Turns out he's been operating as a union buster in the United States for almost a decade without um, once disclosing any of his activities to the Department of Labor, which is which is a legal responsibility for union busters to do because the public and workers have a right to know what their companies are spending on union busting. So anyway, we find out that this guy has been breaking the law for better part of a decade. Um, We notify, this is a big part of what we do, we go through this paperwork, we build the case, and we notify the Department of Labor, and then we also obviously work with the union, but then we also notify the public that this hospital has hired a union buster, your local hospital has hired a union buster and is spending that money on union busting instead of get, making sick people healthy, mm-hmm. and they hired someone that breaks the law. So what was the big story that week in the newspapers? It was about how the local hospital had been breaking the law and brought in a highly uh, paid union buster to go after nurses, which is always a mistake to go after nurses. Right. Yeah. So as a result, the hospital was dealing with a PR firestorm um, and not able to focus on intimidating nurses who are the hardest workers in hospitals, as we all know. Um, and we were really excited because the result was a week and a half later, um, not only were the nurses even more angry and more engaged because they saw how much the, um, the hospital was spending on this, they uh, won their election with over 70% of the vote. That's it was great. absolutely beautiful. Um, but, I mean, not to, you know, um, toot our own horn, but, it wouldn't have been exposed otherwise. You should well, toot your own horn. Yeah. You're, you're the only, I, yeah. I don't know anybody else out there that's doing what you're doing. You should toot your own horn. You need and it, it, and by the way, you also will file lawsuits, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We um, we are trying to bring 
the um, corporate America and the union busting industry into compliance with the law, a law that was passed over almost 70 years ago right? um, that has never actually been enforced in a meaningful way on corporate America and union busters. The same law has been aggressively enforced on unions. Of course. But, uh, of course, right? Yeah. Because, um, but they, they forgot that the law also applies to union busters. And so, otherwise, this information that is supposed to belong to the public, supposed to belong union organizers supposed to belong to workers just lives in a, some uh, an um, archive at the Department of Labor. We need to bring this information to life so that workers can see what's happening in their local communities and around the country. You know, that's why we put a tracker together so you can see just how insidious it's that is very cool the tracker is awesome you by can the way. see in right yeah. around your house where there are companies hey by the way what's the busters. what's the website yeah. laborlab.org laborlab.us dot us sorry you guys just changed that didn't you labor laborlab.us uh, um yeah, and, and there's a and there's a tracker you can literally look and see who's union busting in your backyard right right exactly and, and then and, um god we also compile the the numbers on who who the biggest spenders are, and you know, um, after Amazon and Starbucks, you're looking at hospitals, yeah. Hello Fresh, you know, um, Hello Fresh. Yeah. I mean, let me. Exactly. Hey, Bob, isn't there at some point? Isn't there just a pure cost benefit analysis to say I'm going to spend a million dollars on a union buster? If the union comes in, my 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 wages are going to raise by half a million dollars. Aren't I throwing good money after bad at some point? I think there's such there's so much ego at play here, of course, yeah. and there's so much um, conning that's happening as well by I mean, the by the union buster to go to the employer and go, oh my god, the union's coming in, they're going to ruin yeah, everything, you're gonna go out of business, know, right? Oh yeah, you're going to lose everything, and and they get you. It's, yeah, it's almost like a divorce attorney. I'd, right? I'd kind of like to just <laughs> yeah, tell a, a real quick story if go I ahead. could. In uh, Northwest Indiana, back during the early days of the pandemic, we yeah. were working with a company, and I won't give the name because they came around, they got right about this yeah. stuff, but they had hired. Uh, a union avoidance consultant, and they were paying him $5,000 a day for his firm and his security guys yep. to come in, talk to the employees, and um, you know, basically just respond to things. So he had meetings where he'd talk about, you have to give up your, uh, you have to give up your retirement. The union's coming in here. We can't afford it. If they, you know, if they come in here, you guys are all going to lose your jobs. You got to keep your jobs here. But in order to mm-hmm. do that, you have to give up your health care. So it was outrageous. We found out about this, got found out what he was saying, talked to the workers, showed why what he was saying was not true and illegal, and then showed that he was being paid $5,000 a day. Yeah. So now you have a company of people who are saying, wow, instead of uh, letting us have a union, our employer is paying $5,000 a day to bring in this guy and lie to us. And I think what what you're talking about with the nurses, uh, you make an important difference in an unsuccessful or a successful union-busting campaign because all you have to do is show people that this is happening. Like, your company hired someone to come in and do this, to tell you, to scare yeah. you. They're trying to brainwash you. Right. And, yeah. and if you can shine a light on this and make people understand... I think it makes it less effective at keeping a union out. It makes people probably realize how much more they need protection. It's kind of, it's kind of like uh, what we talked about with the inoculation file, exactly. right? That they yeah. that unions need to inoculate. Get ready, guys, because you're getting a union buster, and you're going to be Here's coming what to a, tell you. a captive audience meeting. Bob, question. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, let's let's say 
I decline to go into that meeting or I go into that meeting with the union buster because the, the employer makes you go, right? Mm-hmm. It's like on work yeah, time, safety you know, meeting. you know, have the safety meeting and all of a sudden out from behind the curtain comes, you know, Dr. Evil and he's like, this is why you shouldn't join. But suppose I put in headphones and I say, I just don't want to listen to you, yeah. right? Do I have that right to do that? Can I just say, I'm not listening to this. And if he then well, says, take off those headphones. No. Well, now you're insubordinate, right? Or something like that. Yeah. But I always think that, you know, if there's a First Amendment right to organize, which I believe there is, I don't even think Absolutely. you need the NLRA. We'll get into that another time. But if there's a First Amendment right to, to organize, I think you have a First Amendment right not to listen. Yeah. I really do. Uh, so I don't know. What, Bob, yes, no? Am I, am I off base on that? Uh so I would agree with you absolutely in principle. Mm-hmm. Um, in practice, um, unfortunately, as we've been talking about labor law, and it's not there aren't a lot of protections for workers. I mean, it's really great that we're starting to see a wave of states ban captive audience meetings. Yeah, how cool is that? Um, huh? Right, right. That's one step in the right direction. It, cer- I mean, it certainly is. The, Having anti-union meetings during wartime, I think, should just be banned, period. Because, you know, let's say you ban captive audience meetings. That doesn't mean that just most of how it's working in most states is that the worker can say, oh, I don't want to go in. Well, if you're the only worker that's not going in there, that's still a coercive act, right? But suppose all the workers decide not to go in. Exactly. And so that you need to make sure that you're on top of the organizing. That's right. The PRO Act would ban captive audience meetings, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like back in the day, (laughs) we would know there was a captive audience meeting coming and we would just send in a bunch of our organizers because the employer literally had no idea who they hired. Who was who? (laughs) So our our business agents would be in the captive audience meeting (laughs) asking questions. And finally, like once, like one guy's like, wait, who are you? And it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, so-and-so. Do you work here? No. And then the guy's like, how many people in this room don't work here? (laughs) All our agents got up. Have <laughs> to stand up and then walk out. <laughs> That's funny. So I thought you, you got to have some fun with it. Right. Uh, we, we we were working with some uh, um, elevator operators in the Bronx, and um, one of the guys went in and he just live streamed the entire captive audience. <laughs> yeah, meeting. that's what I'm. We uh, love those people. Those yeah. are those awesome. People. <laughs> so that anyone else that wanted to. Um, yeah. So that it, anyone else that wanted to ask any questions of the union buster, they could that, over that's, uh, Facebook that's Live. That's awesome. So it doesn't it doesn't federal law uh, allow surreptitious recording? I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends right, what state yeah. you're in. So yeah. we can endorse it. Yep. Well, it yeah, depends what federal, state. Yeah. Federal. The, no. The, if there's a federal like uh, I don't think there's a federal statute on it. Hmm. I don't, know. You know, you, don't do it unless you're living in a state where it's yeah. legal. Yeah, or uh, ask a real attorney. <laughs> Just don't tell anybody. Bob, yeah. are you seeing any more attention on what you're doing, given it was hot labor summer and a hot labor fall, all the union no. activity, all the strikes happening? Like, Are you getting any more media attention? It seems like this is one area that just needs to have more Agreed. Uh, sunlight uh, shown on it, yeah. and I'm hoping you're seeing some momentum there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, first off, just uh, getting what we're doing out there on shows like this is incredibly helpful. I'll tell you that, yeah, we have seen uh, on two levels. One, um, the we've seen a lot more media attention on anti-union persuasion. If you do a Google of that, that term and a lot of the terms that we work around weren't mentioned um, on the Internet until about two years ago. Right. Um, we had an amazing five-part series that ran in HuffPost. Over the summer, it really went into all of these coercive tactics that they're using. 
Um, and then the the other this year alone, we will have engaged in um, over two hundred organizing campaigns, either alerting the union, assisting them, filing complaints, et cetera. But the other part that's exciting is um, when we first started this project, union busters complied with the law, the disclosure and transparency laws that are absolutely critical to um, preparing workers that are organizing. They complied with the law. 18% of the time. Wow. Eight, but since we launched Labor Lab, it's jumped up to 50%. Good now, for you. Yeah. Still way Good for you. too low. Oh, Great on. works. Hold way on, hold on. Low. Stand innovation. You just, you just got a stand innovation from two, well, two of us. So Ed much. didn't clap. Well, I wasn't standing. And we obviously have, clap. And we obviously have a, a Department of Labor that is... Um, is a part is is actually cares about workers' rights right, right. now. Yeah, for, um, for the moment. Oh, it's for the moment. I mean, th- th- what terrifies me is if when we don't have a Department of Labor that does this, um, we we become not only the watchdog organization but the actual compliance organization too, because we're going to have to do even more of what the government's supposed to be doing. You're going right. to be judge, jury, and execution. That's right. I like it. If only Judge Funk. <laughs> I would watch that. Hell yeah, and Judge ideas, Funk. <laughs> I'm going to get them union busters. Hey, Bob, where where can people find more uh, about what you're doing? How can they help the cause? I uh, Well, here, I'll just tell you, I donate monthly. Um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you get some money from unions and things like that. But, you know, this is this is grassroots type stuff. Where can they just click on your website and, and you know, look, if you're if you're paying money to netflix or whatever it is you know donate some money to this guy he needs it and what he's doing is god's work where, where can they do that bob i really appreciate that best way uh, if you go to laborlab.us you can get in contact with me but um and, and the rest of the organization we have a donate button on there and you're absolutely right um our our organization is almost wholly dependent on grassroots donations um, from the larger labor movement, and then uh, unions of all sizes, from locals that you know donate five hundred dollars to nationals um, that support this work. Because you know there, there's this uh, there's this consultant named Richard Berman in Washington D.C. that's anti labor. He oh, runs yeah. the Center for Union Facts. I'm yeah. very familiar with that. Yeah, the worst. He gets <laughs> the center, he has a two point three million for, dollar yeah. budget yeah. from who, by the way, from uh, the Federal exactly. Society or, or from yeah, who, who, he's, a lot of Chamber of Commerce, of course, yeah. related organizations. He's been doing this for like decades, right? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. that Center for Union Facts is, is outrageous. Oh, but we're weaponizing the same legislation, except we're doing it better, more aggressively, and for a lot cheaper. But you are doing. I think it for like I've always said, we have the moral high ground, right? The the companies that are doing this to try to keep workers down and, you know, skirt the law and scare people into not, you know, basically giving themselves and their families, by the way, writing for themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's They're what right. this really comes down a, to a better life. It doesn't shame, you know, that's shame right. on them. So any tool that we can take away from them, um, I think is, you know, obviously one less tool that they have in the toolbox and quite frankly one more tool that labor has in its toolbox. So Bob, you're a, you you're just keep up doing what you're doing. If there's anything that we can do to help uh and help spread the message, we will um I will take your message out to the Midwest Coalition Labor as uh we travel um because I really do think that what you're doing is important. And look, if every union kicked in 100 bucks, you know, you'd have a 
a lot, a lot of money, right? Let me check the math on that. Yeah, let me check the math. I think it's a lot. It's of a money, lot, right? It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Officially, yeah. a lot. So We'd be okay at that point. I think WGN. I, really, I think WGN wants to make a contribution. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that right at, right out of Kevin's pocket. Right, nodding, I see Love nodding it. of the head. All right, we'll take that as a yes. Here, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just I, I I thank you guys so much for everything that you do and your solidarity and support of what we're trying to accomplish here because it's all just to make organizing easier. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much. You've been listening to Bob Funk, um, head of Labor Lab, where you can find him at Labor Lab. Us go drop some money uh, on even if it's five bucks. Just go in there and click and and give him some money because what he's doing is really important. Bob, thank you so much for uh, joining us. We will be uh, right back with more of the Workers' Mike right here on seven twenty WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers Mike right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Listen, that was super cool, right? Talking to that guy. That yeah. guy he's Bob's good. a man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, just the, the, that's, I like the yeah. cut of his jib. Yeah, right? The, cut, the cut of his jib. Be a just sailor, a, just a term like, that you say for people you are cool. Is that yeah. some of your pirate lingo? Yes, <laughs> I was once a seafarer. That's what I heard. <laughs> seafarer. Okay. Anyway, so that was really cool. Yeah, this guy's doing God's work. Um, speaking of like uh, you know states that are sort of out there, uh, we have Oklahoma, and we have the uh, great senator. Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne. That's his name. Yeah. Challenging I the head like of the there should be a space, but there's no space. It's, it's just Mark Wayne. Yeah. That's his name. That's a lot to pack in. I don't, I, look, I, I don't even I don't understand it. Mark but. Wayne. Yeah, because well, the W is lowercase. Is that right? You think it would be... Is this like the, the, the modern version of Billy Bob? I, guess I like so. Billy Bob better. <laughs> yeah, I like Billy Bob too. Yeah, I, trust I like Billy pretty Bob. much anything better but than Mark But I think Mark Billy Wayne. Bob is also capital B for Bob. That's two words. Yeah, it's yeah. two words. Oh. Mark Wayne is... Well, what are you doing, Mark this, Wayne? This guy, yeah. but here, they had a hearing... A few right? weeks ago. A few weeks ago, yeah. uh, talking about you know labor, they had all these labor leaders on, and by the way, thank God that they're doing this, right? Getting right. getting it out into the world, into the vernacular, how great they're doing, etc. And Mark Wayne could not get over the fact that the Teamster guy uh, Sean O'Brien, right, yeah. was just busting his chops on on, on Twitter, on Twitter, right? Just he, this guy couldn't get over that. Right. So, like, you imagine that reaction if everybody that Donald Trump, you know, busted their chops on social media. Well, I thought said, they like mean tweets. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, but, this guy, you can dish it out, but you can't take it. He literally got up and wanted to fight. Yeah, he said, fight. "You want it? You want to do it here?" And Bernie Sanders had to regulate because he's the chairman of that committee. So Bernie Sanders stood up and just told Mark Wayne. You're a United States senator. Like, sit down. Yeah, sit down. Forty-four <laughs> percent of the time, I want you to sit down. He's a black belt. No one and, knew the, that the, and there was, a, there was I gotta just say, if you get a chance to look at it, there was one thing where uh, the, this guy Sean O'Brien, by the way, is eating this guy's lunch because Mark Wayne was talking. <laughs> Bernie's like, "Did you answer the question?" And Sean O'Brien was like talking over Mark Wayne, going, meh, meh, meh. It's like, and said to, to Bernie, "Like, I gotta be honest with you, I don't understand what that guy's saying." <laughs> Like he does have a bit of a, an accent, if you will. So does Bernie. But I mean, it was just flat out funny, and it's just a it's a joke that you know our country is getting to uh, you know physical altercations on the Senate floor. Like yeah. what are, what are we doing? Beating up the union? You know, guys. Yeah, of course. We, and of course, it's you know in the union context, right? So you know what? Uh, learn to take a, a, a joke or some criticism or whatever your senator. And uh, take a punch too. Yeah, from, Come, from comes this, with the territory. Yeah, take a punch from Mister O'Brien. This guy's gonna punch you. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, we got to go. Um, really, really cool show today. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, it was great seeing you guys. Um, you as well, sir. More of the Workers Mike right here on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Workers' Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Workers' Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.